All right, welcome to the Courtside Hoops podcast with Reg and Buckets. Much like uh, a lot of the players, Buckets, we had a bit of a, a bit of a time off during the the, yes. the All Star break. A well deserved um, break. That's right. And now uh, Hoops is back, and, and we're back. Um, yes. But we have to start following last pod with uh, obviously we spoke about how likely or unlikely the Harden Simmons trade was. Um, and the trade got done. Obviously, there was other pieces involved as well. Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, uh, and well, I think Millsap went back to... <laughs> yes, back to Millsap did. Philly is part of the deal as well, though. He's the, the least <laughs> spoken about person as part of that, that trade. <laughs> uh, but, but from memory, from a, from a Brooklyn perspective, uh, you would have definitely done the deal. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that was your view on the last pod. So, do you think that's still? Yes. Do you still have that that stance uh, now when all the dust has settled a little bit on this? Yeah, absolutely. If you know someone's disengaged and does not want to be there, why would you keep them around? Yeah, he'd come out. He said he wanted to test free agency. He'd never been a free agent before. You could tell in his body language and his play that he was disengaged. Did not want to be there. So. To me, I'm I'm a, always an advocate. If someone doesn't want to be in your system and be in your culture, you move them on. Um, you very rarely you're going to be able to change someone's attitude once they get to a position where they where they don't want to be there. So move them on and get the best that you can get for them, which is exactly what Brooklyn's done. Do you think Brooklyn have won? What Brooklyn won the trade? In my opinion, they did. I think it's one of those trades where. It, it's certainly not lopsided. Like I think you could look at something like an Anthony Davis trade where, you know, you're getting back, you know, role players or, you know, starting level, level talent, but very rarely uh, we didn't think any of those guys would become all-stars or, or anything more than um, that. And, but you lost a top five NBA talent. Whereas this trade, it was much more even in terms of, what went out to what went in. I think Brooklyn, I, I believe, from a, a structure standpoint, won the trade. Um, but in terms of the talent that left and then the talent that come in, it was quite comparable on both sides, I thought. Yeah, I agree. I, I think I'd lean lean on the side of Brooklyn. Um, but someone uh, was listening to a show, I can't remember which, which one it was the other day, and they were talking about, well, when you, when you, when you think about the fact that Ben wasn't playing for Philly, you've basically traded Andre Drummond and Seth Curry for James Harden because yes. Ben was not going to play. And when you put it like that, it's like, oh, well, yeah, that's a clear win. You know what I mean? Like, so <laughs> that that's where it's like, oh, that actually makes sense that um, it's, it is one of those sort of rare situations, probably more rare than not, that, you know, it's not one team hasn't dominated the trade, that it's actually sort of an even spread. Um, and now James has played, what, one game? With, uh, with Philly, they had, they had a win over Minnesota um, and he, he played really well. Um, where do you put Philly now in, in terms of the, the, the East, which as we know is like from one to like seven is like two games difference. Uh, and they're in that, I think they're fifth or thereabouts. Where do you, where do you sort of put them in terms of obviously beyond uh, the season in, in, in the postseason? Well, you've got the the media cycle now that that's it, they're all over it. They want the headline, so there's this huge commotion that they they beat Minnesota by 31 points. They beat Minnesota, so I don't get too high on the fact that they won by 31. And we see blowouts in the NBA all the time, so it's going to take some time to see. But 
from what I see with with James Harden and Joel Embiid, they've proved nothing to me in terms of postseason success. So I see them being a team that everyone's going to hype up and it's going to get to the playoffs. And I don't think they're getting past the second round if they have to meet a Milwaukee or a Brooklyn before the conference finals. So until they prove anything to me, they're not getting past those guys that have proved to have postseason success. So Kevin Durant's proven and Giannis has proven, even someone like a Jimmy Butler in Miami, they're proven to be able to get to those next levels in playoffs and win those playoff series. Joel Embiid hasn't been past the second round and it's well-documented what James Harden does when the pressure really mounts in playoff series. So that's where I see them is a second round exit once they come up against those proven stars. So I don't, I don't trust them at all, especially James Harden and the way that he's left Brooklyn, similar to what he did in Houston. I just don't think he's that guy. Do you reckon, uh, obviously he had a, he had a, a good first game um, and everyone's saying, oh, he was, you know, rolling his eyes in Brooklyn when they'd call a timeout and, and set up a play for KD instead of him. And, um, yeah, that he was he didn't really care anymore, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think I think part of that is true, but the the flip side of that is is James Harden even his best anymore? Like he doesn't look like he's in good shape. Um, we know he's a ball dominant player. He's not gonna if he doesn't have the ball in his hands, he's pretty hopeless. He's not a cutter. He's not a you know he just stand there. Um, so is he, is 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 he even good enough? To, to, you know, to, to be that 1B to, or, or second player to, to Embiid who was clearly on like an MVP type uh, run? It's hard to say because he's shown, certainly the body of work he's put in this season isn't the level that he had in Houston, but hmm. there's been glimpses where he has been that dominant player yep. that he was in Houston. And I go back to, you know, Christmas... Um, day against the Lakers, 33-point triple-double, you know, there's those performances that make you think, okay, he still has that level in him. How consistently can he get to that level? I don't know. But the thing that always has me keep coming back with James Harden is what Draymond said in that pod with JJ Redick is, I don't think he has that love of the game and that heart when it really counts. So, when he's 33, we, as you say, his conditioning, that's not his Terrible. goal. We, we know he loves the party lifestyle. Mm. So that's going to really factor in as he gets older because he doesn't have that love of the game and that passion to want to get in the gym and make sure that his conditioning is right and keep himself at a peak level year after year, like we've seen with LeBron James, like we've seen with Chris Paul the love of the game and that heart is what keeps them getting back in the gym. I don't think James Harden has that. So I think he's going to age a lot quicker than some of these other stars that we're seeing that are playing tremendous basketball post 33, 34, 35. He, he already looks like he's beefing up a bit, you know, and sort of some guys get old and they just get the blows. Like let's, we hope yes. it's not a, a Sean Camp in Orlando sort of situation or something, <laughs> something like that. But um, he doesn't look like, I, I, and that plays into it. If you love the game, 
and you you know you have a genuine love for it you're not gonna you're gonna do everything you can to you know put yourself into good shape my my fear there is that he's now with um his best mate daryl Morey. so he's he's even more comfortable therefore is he gonna even relax even more because he's with his mate you know he knows what he can you know there's all that Maury and him are always like connected blah blah um that i feel like he he could um sort of drop off even quicker um, because he's in an area of, you know, he's not uncomfortable like he clearly was in, in Brooklyn, probably because they were asking him to actually do things that he should be doing. You know what I mean? And he's just like, no, I don't want to do that. Like, I want it on my terms. He's one of those guys who he's, he wants it on his terms. He's happy to, says he wants to win and blah, blah, but it's like on my terms, you know? And as yes. we know, those guys rarely do very well when they want to win, but on their terms. Like, it's, yes. it's and then you've got the other guys who win, even if it's on their terms. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's as long as they win, that's all they care about. Yeah, um, that's it. When the rubber hits the road, that's when it falls apart. Yeah. Do you reckon this completely rules out Embiid's uh, MVP chances? I don't think so because it's been such, it's taken so like We've only got 24, you know, most teams have got less than 25 games to go. So there's there's enough body of work there for him, but unless he drops like you know if his his points per game drop by five and rebounds drop by three and all like there's a big there's a substantial drop off. I don't think it's going to hurt his case too much if he keeps the level of play at what it is because I don't think the record the team record is going to play so much of a factor um, given the other candidates in the MVP race. Guys like Jogic there. They're not going against a team that's on pace to win 60 games um, and things like that. So I think he's okay there. The worry I have with Embiid is we know he's had struggles in the past with his conditioning too. So the best case scenario yep. for Philadelphia is Embiid's got him. He's he's got himself in a, a very good shape um, and mindset this year, which is why he's having the year he is, and similar to last year. I hope that James Harden doesn't have the effect of bringing him back into some of those bad habits. The best thing for Philly is for his attitude to rub off on James Harden mm. to be like, look, I've figured it out. Yes, it sucks doing conditioning and getting your diet right, but the results on the court speak for themselves. So just lock in for this back end of the season with me, James, and we'll, you know, we'll give this a real crack to win a title. It'd be a real shame if James Harden, being the older veteran, you know, starts to put some of those bad habits back into the Embiid camp and he regresses, you know, backwards. I've already seen some of those videos surfacing of Embiid trying to do the travel step back. I call it a travel step back because <laughs> that's, that's what it is. <laughs> the, the James Harden. Yes. Um, I, I think one of the good things that comes out of it is, is uh, uh, our boy Matisse Thibel has been put into the starting lineup now around obviously to try to save some of James's horrible defense. <laughs> yes, very true. And it's it, he, the talk around that trade about him being untouchable because of the value he brings on the defensive end, which is something that doesn't necessarily get talked about because it's yep. not sexy. It's not scoring. It's not dunking. It's all that, you know, for, for two weeks now, everyone's talked about how valuable he has, is to that team, um, which is only a good thing for our Aussie basketballers. Absolutely. Now it's awesome seeing him get more more opportunity. And obviously he's going to be the guy guarding all of the team's wings because it's not going to be James Harden. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Let's flip over now back to, to Brooklyn. I think uh, I read today that KD should be back soon. Um, and Ben, I think, is getting closer. Although I thought I think I saw he's got a bit of a back 
soreness or something um, going on at the moment, which is keeping him out um, a little bit longer. But how quickly do you think this can come together for for Brooklyn? Like once, because obviously it's it's yeah, chemistry is so massive, and I think it's my view is it's under underappreciated um, when it comes to deep postseason runs because you really need to know guys' tendencies and things like that. And as you say, there's only less than 25 games to go. How quickly does it need to come together for uh, for Brooklyn? Well, it needs to come together very quickly because, as we mm. said, there's only you know 20 to 25 games left, and it's even harder with Brooklyn given the fact that they've only got I think seven games left with Kyrie if these rules don't change in New York. So they've got a very small window of trying to get that nucleus together. But a thing that they have an advantage with is I think it's going to be quicker to insert a player like Ben into your lineup than, say, a James Harden um, because shooting is such a rhythm thing. And you would know this being a shooter. It's, it's such a rhythm thing and you've got to have sets drawn up and the and your other guys have got used to the new sets coming in and getting shots for different guys and, and getting your timing back. And, you know, it's very easy to see when someone's off. Like if you look at Clay Thompson, one of the greatest shooters we've ever seen, but two and a half years out of the game, it's taking him a long time to get back into that rhythm, into that flow um, of being a consistent shooter. Um, whereas I think Ben being a non-shooter, you can insert that much quicker because you've got the ball in your hands and you're just manufacturing and, and orchestrating an offense. The other guys are already set there. They still run their sets. They're still getting shots. Um, you know, Seth Curry is probably going to be the only one coming into a new system. But guys like Patty Mills and KD and those guys, they're still going to be going to the same spots that they were shooting for. They're just, instead of getting a pass from James Harden, they're getting a pass from Ben Simmons. So I think they'll be able to insert that quickly, but it's hard with Kyrie. That's the outlier. If they had him full time, I think they would come together quicker than what Philly are going to come together because of the style that Ben plays. Yeah. I keep forgetting about bloody Kyrie only playing away games. <laughs> That does throw a whole nother spanner into works because you're right. If I was if I was Steve Nash, I'm telling Ben Simmons just go out there and play defense, do what you do. Yeah. Um. The, the you, you'll think the rest will come to you. Like you know, it's not like he's a, he's a as you say he's a, a big time scorer. Um. Where it's like I need, I need to quickly get my points and you know find some rhythm. It's like no no no. You, what you do best is you defend at, at as high a level as anyone in the competition. So you do that. Um. You know, and the the rest will come. You know, and you you on the offensive end, just move the ball like you do. Like, you know, yeah. find guys, get get guys in good positions. As you say, the Seth Currys, the the Paddy Mills, um, even KD. Um, all these guys can spot up shoot as I mean KD can obviously take off the dribble as well, but these guys are as good as put up shoot as anybody. They're moving around and things like that. Just find them. Like that's all you gotta do, you know. You don't have to go out there and score 50 points a game. Like it's just 10 points a game. It doesn't really matter. Like just do what you do best. Um so yeah, I hope we can get back soon. And um, and start to get a bit of um, find a bit of rhythm, just just playing again as well. Um, you know, forget yeah. about um, everything else, just just being back on the court and playing basketball at that level. Um, after that sort of break, there's got to be a bit of a bit of um, bit of a ramp up, you know, um, time frame as well. Just come in, get a, get a few minutes here and there, and sort of ramp it up to the point where you're actually um, uh, you know feeling like you can contribute and, and feeling like yourself again. So question for you. So put yourself in Ben's shoes. 
Yeah. We, we, it's well documented what's happened. We know that there's the mental health struggles that he's been dealing with. You talk about the back now. They're scheduled to meet Philadelphia in Philadelphia on the 10th of March. Barring health not being an issue, do you play that game if you're Ben Simmons? Um, I, I do because I get the sense that or, or feel that if, if he doesn't, it's, it, it'll be worse. Um, and I'm not saying he has to play for that reason. But I think it will be like I think it'll, it'll almost be a bit of a, a bit of a um, like a dodge job, like he's purposely dodging it sort of thing. And, and the one the one thing that I was really I really liked uh, about his press conference was when that was brought up, he said, uh, "I hope so. Like I hope I can play that game." You know, it was all about just if bar in health and everything else. I I don't see why not. Um, and I also think it sort of closes the chapter a little bit as well. Like if, if that's delayed till next year, then the saga delays into next year until he plays them again, or, or sorry, if they play in the, in the postseason, it sort of delays it all to, to, you know, down the track. I think he's better off getting over and done with. He's going to get booed like crazy, but so what, you know, you're in a new team. Now you've got different guys around you who hopefully will help and support him through it. And if, if you're a teammate of his, you're doing everything, everything you can to get him that win like absolutely everything you can to get him that win like I, I can't think of a bigger example of when you'd want to give you know get, get a team out of win like that um, maybe when LeBron went back to Cleveland might be another <laughs> another example but he could have played with his left hand and they still would have won that game so that's not, not too much of an issue <laughs> what, what about you would you would you would you play it depends on what mental like what the root of his mental health issues are um, and where they're stemming from and if it's something that's gonna make that worse but I'm in the same boat as you in my mind like in life there's always things you don't want to do there's always things you know it's going to be awkward you know it sucks but and you would love to avoid it at all costs but it's it's such a stressful thing leading up to it. But once it's done, it's done. Yep. Once once you dodge it, it just lingers and just sort of it stays as almost a weight on you. And, you know, we've even seen it all those years ago when LeBron went back to Cleveland. We saw the struggles that Miami were having. And it was almost once they got that Cleveland game out of the way, it just released so much tension and stress. And then they, I think they won 18 of 19 after that game. So for me, barring and making his mental health worse or any um, physical ailments, just know, yes, it's going to suck, Ben, but it's over then. It's, it'll be a terrible experience. You'll get booed, all the rest of it, but then it's done. It'll be in the media. They'll cover it for the week after, and then they'll move on. Yep. But if you don't play it, it'll be just a continued story all the way through to the postseason. And then if you happen to meet Philly in the postseason, oh. it's going to be a million times worse yep. because the story is not going to be just that you're facing Philadelphia in the playoffs. It's going to be you. they're going to say you dodged that game regardless of the reasons were. The story is going to be you dodged that game. Yep. Then they're going to be like, okay, we'll talk about the struggles you had last time you are in the postseason. And you're then in the second round or the conference finals of the playoffs anyway. Mm-hmm. So 
you've got three times as much pressure. Whereas if you get it over and done with on the 10th of March, then it's like, okay, back to basketball. And then you just roll, roll through from there. So I really hope that he can get on the floor, play that game, and then we can all move forward. And as you say, it's almost like closing that chapter. It'll yeah. be it'll be electric, the atmosphere there. Everyone will tune in. It'll be covered for a week afterwards, and then we'll get back to business. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's it's dodging it is delaying the inevitable. And yes. and sometimes you delay these things and they fester into something bigger than they even are, you know, now. Yeah. So just rip the rip the band-aid off. Uh, as yeah. you say, they'll cover it like crazy for a week. There'll be so many angles and everything else. Yeah. But then, then they'll move on. And then yes. even when you meet in the postseason, it's that's no longer, as you say, a, an element to to the story um, because you've already faced each other once. And also, I don't think he wants to put that pressure on himself to be facing them for the first time in the in the playoffs either. Like that's that would be a lot worse, I would have thought, than just getting it over with in a regular season game, which is sort of meaningless. You know, like it's not yes. it's not going to decide anything. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting though. When is it? The game. 10th of March. 10th of March. Yeah. Must so watch. Two weeks away. Must watch TV. <laughs> um, what else happened in the trade deadline that was uh, that was big? I'm just trying to think now because it's been a it's been a minute. Well, and that one sort of that that was the blockbuster. So everything else yeah. sort of paled in comparison. There wasn't many other moves that sort of changed Move the needle. The, or, yeah, that's yeah. Right. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think you're right. And the lake um, and the Lakers did nothing. The Lakers, yeah, did nothing. <laughs> Actually, that that before we get all started, that's a question I have for you. Um, so much talk about who gets the blame. Is it Rob Palinka? Is it LeBron James? Because he's the GM, as everyone says. Where where does the truth lie in all of that? To you, uh, the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle, like. I don't know. LeBron, he, he gets some credit when the moves. I don't know. It's hard because he gets crushed if the moves don't work out, but he never really got a lot of the credit when the moves pay. Like Anthony Davis coming to them and they got a championship. You know, there wasn't people, you know, grandstanding saying, oh, LeBron orchestrated AD to come here and it's resulted in a championship. But now that they're going poorly with Russell Westbrook, everyone's saying, oh, LeBron's you know, done the whole thing and got him got him here and it's a disaster. So, you know, obviously LeBron would have some influence, if you will, on decisions that are made and things like that. Um, and personnel decisions is that it's there's no science to it. That's why the draft is what the draft is. If if every number one pick was the best player in the draft and every number two was the second best player, there wouldn't be teams that get five number one picks and they're still trash so (laughs) personnel decisions are the hardest things to come off Mm. you would think getting someone like a russell westbrook would make the lakers a far better team which is why they were the overall favorite coming into the season everyone thought they were going to be a championship contender you know no one thought someone like a PJ Tucker going to the Milwaukee Bucks last season at the trade deadline was going to be do anything for them. And then he turned out to be one of the most important pieces for their championship run. You know, Siakam and Fred Van Vliet, no one talked about them when they were drafted to Toronto. And then they become two of the main guys that led them to their championship. Personnel 
decisions and try to put a team together is the hardest thing in sports and there's no science behind it. It looked like, you know, putting talent together would work and it hasn't and it's failed spectacularly. You know, if you're going to blame, I, I think you blame them all, but there's no, nothing is gained out of blaming someone. The Lakers yeah, doesn't suck, change anything. You know, yeah. they've got a very small chance of, of competing for a championship. So blaming someone doesn't make our championship credentials any better. You just got to try to fix it in the off season. Yep. Yep. Um, we will move on, but just where is your comfort levels in terms of, or comfort levels? Where's what sort of is your view on where they'll finish up? Like, are they going to get into the playoffs? Are they not going to get into the playoffs? Like, if you had to sort of guess right now, where do they sort of sit? Oh, so they'll they'll be in the play-in tournament, um, and I'm not going to bet against LeBron in a, a one or two game series, depending on where they finish in those play-ins. So I suspect yeah. they'll they'll win their play-in tournament and end up in one of those seventh or eighth seed. Um, but whenever it's it's a bit like in AFL when you start talking about teams are still mathematically able to make finals, and in basketball terms, you say they have a puncher's chance at a championship. <laughs> You know you're clutching at straws. Yeah. So I'll never bet against LeBron. And if there's anyone that can give them a legitimate chance of of going deep into the playoffs, it's a healthy LeBron James. But it's the puncher's chance right now. Mm. So Mm. I wouldn't be staking any any money on it whatsoever. I do love the old mathematical. They're a mathematical chance. (laughs) Yeah. In other words, they're not done yet. They're nearly done, yeah. but they're not done yet. <laughs> yeah, so, it's, it's a matter of time yeah, it's before a, it's they a, mathematically yeah. can't make finals. Correct. <laughs> Correct. All right, let's let's move to All Star Weekend. Um, first thing I want to ask you was, um, did you uh, tune into any of the uh, Rising Stars um, tournament games? Um, and then, secondly, if you did, did you like the format? No, I didn't see any of it. Um, so I'll throw to you. What did you think of the Rising Star format? Yeah, I, I thought it was cool because it had obviously had uh, what they have four teams, um, and the two played like two teams played off against each other, and then those two teams went into the into the finals. They all had a um, a score to get to. Um, there was for the format. There was no time or anything like that, other than a shot clock. Um, and so I, th- I thought that that side of it was cool. Um, at the end of the day, it was a three-point shootout for the majority of it. There's a lot of trash being thrown up, a lot of bad <laughs> shots being thrown up. Uh, but it was cool. It was cool that they had um, uh, like a, a, some of the NBA 75 greats, like coaching the teams. Like Isaiah was on one team, um, James Worthy was on another. I can't remember who the other ones are now. So there you go. Go show how much attention I paid. Um, but that that was cool just to sort of involve them. Um, because I think that that game is again sort of needed a, a bit of something different, you know, to to sort of um, uh, sort of make it exciting again. But I guess in doing it the way they did it, they were able to have more um, players involved because they had the the four teams instead of just the two. Um, you know, in, in, in years past, they've gone like um, uh, the USA players versus the world and things like that. Um, so they changed up this year, and they actually had some players from the G League at night playing in it as well, which was a, a pretty cool touch. Um, so you got to see some of those guys who will probably be in the league in, in lottery picks um, next season, including Dyson Daniels, the the Aussie, um, which was pretty cool. Um, yeah, so that was I, – I, I quite enjoyed it. It was, it. it was over pretty quickly, which I also enjoyed. You know, it didn't, they didn't sort of drag on. Drag on. 
Um, bit of bit of antics, but yeah, that's part of All Star Weekend, I guess. Like sort of some stuff that's a yes. bit rubbish, but that's all part of it. <laughs> Been that way for I don't think that's going anywhere. You know, people mucking yes. around and carrying on a bit. <laughs> yeah, you get that entertainment out there. Yes, absolutely. Um, then obviously they had the All Star Saturday events, which started with some weird looking skills challenge thing with yeah, very circles strange. moving and players doing three man weaves, having to throw ball like just weird. I didn't. I must admit, I didn't watch much <laughs> of that because it was just weird. <laughs> yes, they did. They did. They are changing things. They're trying things, which is which is I think a good thing. Um, yeah, trying to gain some interest. But yeah, it was. There was some odd. Odd uh, events that they were competing in. There certainly was. There certainly was. Um, and obviously, we had the three point contest, which a big man won, which is just devastating for guards everywhere. Very much so. Uh, I was disappointed. Disappointed to see a big fella win that. <laughs> big fella's going to hate us who listen to this. You seem to be <laughs> as happy as anyone to win a three point contest. It's probably why Jimmy Butler didn't get along with those guys and why Minnesota hasn't really done a hell of a lot. Yeah. I think he's pretty happy being an all-star every year and winning a couple of things himself and wearing nice big fur jackets. I don't think he's all that concerned about the other side of the game and that's team success. And also if it's a three point contest without Steph, without clay, is it a three point contest? Like Patty was there. Pat, I'm sorry, yeah. It was a legitimate three-point contest because Patty was there. You are right. And he missed out of the finals by a bloody one point, too. I oh, know. I thought he so was devastating. Sure going to get through. Yeah, 21. To see him more than Trey. Yeah, more than play Luke Kennard, too, with that lefty bloody... Yeah, that's gross. Sure. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> and then do oh, we have to touch on the dunk contest, a.k.a. the miss dunk contest, a.k.a. the layup contest. AKA, what the hell was that? <laughs> Contest. You know, you know what was very refreshing though is in most times, like because it's a business, the commentators will like do all they can to try to you know Pump it up. show the best light of it. Dwayne Wade and Reggie Miller just. Oh. Killed the dunk contest the whole time. Oh. And Kenny Smith's there just trying to pump it up and they're just killing him the whole That was the most entertaining part yeah, of the whole 100%. dunk contest was Kenny trying 100%. to defend it and Reggie and Dwayne just killing it the whole time. You know what? You could you could watch that take you could watch that. Sorry, you could listen to that without watching it, and it would be more entertaining than watching it. Like, yes. That's how bad it was. Yeah. Oh, the, oh, and then they're like, oh, he's still got three attempts. I'm thinking, what? He's had eight. Like, what do you mean he's still got three? <laughs> yeah, because uh, oh. it, it doesn't count if he doesn't get it on the upward motion. And all this. I'm like, he doesn't want to dunk it as much as the crowd doesn't want him to dunk it. Like, just, nah. just stop. Put him out of his misery. Yeah, yeah. And we spoke <laughs> we spoke about this on the on the pod last time about needing to shake it up. Um, and I think you and I are still in agreement that get some of these pro dunkers from around the world into it. You know, to take on these NBA guys or something. Let's let's not just let these. I didn't even know who that bloke from Golden State was. I've never heard of him. Like, how can you have a guy in the NBA dunk contest that nobody knows? Like, no one, no one enters it. So they just they almost uh, put it out to like an expressions of interest. But one thousand percent agree that that's the way because yeah, we've spoken about this. There's you're not going to find someone in the park that can shoot better than Luke Kennard or Carl or Anthony Towns or, or Trey Young. 
they're the best shooters in the world. So the three-point contest set, you, you're seeing the best three-point shooters in the world compete. And that everyone agrees that it, it, that is a great contest, especially with the way the game's go. You're never going to get guys off the street that are going to win the skills challenge and they're changing the things up there. And it's cool to see teams like all the Antetokounmpo's together and all that. So, you know, they're, they're doing good things in that space. But you can find guys in the park that are better dunkers than what is being put out there from the NBA. So bring them in. Yep. Let them compete because that's that's their bread and butter. They're professional dunkers. So they have these contests that they, they compete in. They will do anything to be on that NBA stage and showcase their talent. And they're not going to be out there missing 30 attempts of these dunks because they they do this every day. They're, they're professional. So yep. bring them in. And I reckon it would only take one year of bringing in these non-NBA dunkers. And so you get the four best and you could do it like um, you would you would do like qualifiers. So, you know, 50 people would probably enter and then they'd do like a qualifying rounds and then the four best end up being the ones that get to compete on All-Star Saturday night. Yep. They go out and compete. And after that one year, everyone would be so engaged with what they did that the best NBA dunkers would be like, well, hang on. They're getting all this shine. I want to go out and show that the NBA still has the best dunkers in the world. And then yep. you could have a competition between non-NBA and NBA guys. And we would stop seeing guys that we have no idea about. You might get a Zion Williamson, a Ja Morant, an Anthony Edwards, like the guys that we all know are the best dunkers in the NBA actually wanting to compete because then it becomes a pride and a competitive thing. Whereas at the moment, none of those guys want to be in it because no. the whole competition's a joke. Yeah. Exactly right. That's exactly right. It's turned into that way that these guys are now like, I don't want to do that. Like, no way. Like, I'm not yeah. interested. And it's like, well, once upon a time, you probably were, but not with the, the trash that is the dunk contest at the minute. Like, no, we're, we're a long way from when it was Vince, Tracy McGrady, and Steve Francis competing. Yep. Do you reckon, and this is, I was just thinking of this then, do you reckon there's a point in time, though, where like, unless you're using props and things like this, that what is humanly possible has been done? Like, is someone going to have to do like a somersault dunk? You know what I mean? Like, at what point do we get to... You can't do it. You can't do a 740 through the leg. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, do do we get to that point where it's just, I've seen it before. It's like, well, yeah, obviously you have because we've had great dunkers over the years and we're now at that point. Like, do you reckon that's a thing? That, that, that hurts it as well? So there's certainly an element of that. Um, the, you, you have to be very creative. Like if you, so I'm a big dunk fan. So I, I see a lot of these um, non-NBA guys and the different things that they're coming up with and they're quite creative and, and still creating new dunks and different dunks. But there's yep. also an element of not so much going down the prop side of it, but, and Aaron Gordon was very good at this in terms of being able to, take dunks that have been done before but execute them in a very unique way in a very entertaining way like he's yeah, um, 360 cuff dunk that's been done heaps like there's so many guys that can do a 360 cuff dunk but by doing it where he got the mascot doing a 360 mm. he then grabs it with the one hand does the 360 cuff 
that takes that dunk from, yeah, it, it looks cool just to, on its own, but by adding that little bit of um, uniqueness to it, took that dunk to another level. So I think that's where we need to go. Like, I don't want to be saying things like, I think JaVale McGee got two baskets out and did like dunk on one. Yeah, yeah he did. Like, I'm not so much interested in that, but it's about how you complete, because that's like, like Vince Carter, you know, one of the best dunk contests ever. We'd seen a between the legs dunk mm. done before, but it was the style in which he did that by having Trace McGrady bounce it off the ground and do it and complete it so cleanly. That's mm. what can take a good dunk to a great dunk to an iconic dunk instead of always having to think, okay, I have to come up with something that no one's ever seen before. No, you can just take a dunk that's been done before and expand and make it even better. Yeah, no, that, that's, a, that's a good point. I must admit, I do, I do agree with, uh, with Kenny saying an element of the dunk is how ferocious or hard you throw it down to. Like some of those yes. ones where you basically just drop it in and graze the ring on the way down. It's like, is that more like a layup or like a tip dunk? You know, where you like throw the ball up and just like grab the ring on the way down like you do yes. when you can't, you can't quite dunk when you're younger and you're trying to, you know? Um, 100%. It just adds to the like, whoa, wow, like that was a powerful sort of, you know, dunk versus like a powerful layup thing where you just graze the yes. ring. Like. That's right. Like the, the, the dunk, that the first dunk that Vince did in that, that dunk contest has set the tone. It's a 360 Wimble. Yeah, back then it hadn't been done before, but it, the fact that he does the 360 Wimble and then dunks it and almost throws the ball to the ground, he dunks yeah. it that hard and that cleanly. That if he does that dunk and just sort of grazes it over the rim and it sort of just falls in, completely changes the look of that dunk. The fact that he gets up so high and then dunks it so hard and so fast makes the dunk what it is. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Well, we know the NBA will be listening, so they can uh, yes. invite the invite the next pro dunkers. year will be completely different, and they will <laughs> dominate whichever field comes in in the first year from from the NBA. Because yes. they just will. And then hopefully after that, as you say, <laughs> then uh, it fixes itself. <laughs> um, to the main event, what did you think of the of the game? Loved it. Absolutely loved it. The best all-star game I've seen since, gee, probably 2010 when they first did it at um, Dallas Stadium in front of 100,000. This, it was amazing. The What they've done with that format, it just... Because people always wanted to see the competitiveness and it's unrealistic to think that guys are going to go out in the middle of a season and go full tilt, full defense for 48 minutes like an NBA playoff game. So we can throw that out. So yeah, you get to see the all-star game. So you get to see some people do some big dunks and you know, some funny stuff and you know, a big guy might shoot a three and, and blah, blah, blah. That's all cool. But what we're seeing now is for probably the last minute and a half of each quarter, because they win money for winning each quarter, you get a little bit of gamemanship and a little bit of competitiveness for that one, one and a half minutes. So you see that as you go along. And then once you get to that last quarter, then it's pretty much full, full on for that, that full last period when they're going for the target score. And you really get to see guys competing against each other and now they're not going to do anything silly like we know these are guys that have got millions of dollars on the line so you know yep. they're not going to be going full 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 but you can see the one-on-one matchups like you could see Embiid 
every time saying, I'm going to go at Giannis. I'm going to go at these boys. I'm trying to get my team to win, you know, and then you see LeBron obviously wanting to hit that last shot, giving it to a guy like DeMar and saying, okay, we know your mid-range game. Go one-on-one in the mid-range and hit that shot. I think it was over Devin Booker. So you see those one-on-one matchups with the best players in the world. And they're actually like, they're not trying to let each other score. Like they're, yep. because they know that the, the game's on the line. And then to have a performance like Steph Curry. Oh. Like, yes, it's an all-star game, but the to be able to hit 16 threes, regardless, even if you're in the gym, just to hit 16 threes, like, and the way that he was doing it, that one where he shoots it from near 40 feet and then just turns, Tens. like that, it wasn't even a shot. Like, you know, when you shoot and then there's sort of that half a second where you sort of watch it. Yep, that's online. Yes, it's in an old turn. Like, yeah, yeah. He literally just threw it yeah. and then just ran away. It was like, a ma- major didn't of his hand. have to worry. Yeah. Uh, and like, that's just ridiculous, regardless if there's no one around or, or anything. Like, that was one of the best performances you'll ever see. And yes, it wasn't the record score, but that performance is a million times better than Anthony Davis's 52 point game that he had a few years ago like yeah. that was oh. just uh, another Chop and cheese. shooting performance yeah as you said that the crazy thing about that is and there's people who are like oh it was an all-star game blah blah yeah well you go and do it then with no one around like just yes. in a gym by yourself and i bet you you can't do it yeah. like that that's the thing like yes i get it they weren't like dean him up like they would in like a playoff series or anything like that but it's these are the best players in the world and uh he's still doing these like just insane and, and yeah I don't know how many times we can talk about him. Like, it's just crazy. Like, I just, I, I, there's no words to describe that guy. Like, it's, he just does nothing. Like, he's just unreal. And, and you're right, that one where he pulled up and t- it just, I think I've watched it like 500 times and I'll watch another 500 just because it's, it's like video game like or something. It's just not real. It's just not yes. real. Someone's done a good Photoshop job. You know what I mean? Like, no. it's just not real. <laughs> And Nick Young sitting at home thinking, oh, I tried to do that and it didn't work out so well. Yeah. yeah this is how it's done, Nick. Never going to live that down. <laughs> never going to live that down. <laughs> um, one of the cool things, as you spoke about, is the way that it works with the, um, the Elam ending and, and that sort of thing. Do you reckon, which has sparked this whole debate around, is there a place for this in basketball, um, normal basketball, um, that, that at a certain point of the, of the game, they, they stop the clock and they say, this team's got to get whatever, this team's got to get whatever in order to, to win the game. Um, there's talk about it being maybe instead of having it, like just have your normal regulation games, but if a game goes to overtime, having that instead of having a five-minute overtime, having a first two overtime. Um, there's obviously two sides to the story. There's the traditional basketball side and then there's the sort of, well, does this make the game more entertaining sort of thing? Um, because I've heard people say, having a game winner every game, how cool is that? Like if, a ga- if every single game was won on a game winner because you've got to get to a certain score, that's pretty cool. But the flip side of that is, does it then diminish game winners because they're so rare now that makes them so cool? You know what I mean? Like there's, there's sort of, where do you sort of sit in all of that? So those sort of sorts of discussions. So I certainly sit in the camp of too much of a good thing is not a good thing. Mm. You would absolutely diminish the idea of a game winner because it's it's guaranteed then. Mm. Whereas game winners are game winners because it's not guaranteed. Yep. You might go 50 games and never have one, whereas this you're going to have one every single game. To me, 
if you brought that in for overtime games, it's you start like there's always the argument in the NFL with their overtime rules. Um, I think you would start to see things like that. I like the idea of basketball is is timed, and if they if their argument around that they want to bring it in because the games are going too long, so they bring it in for overtime games to shorten them. I'd be far more inclined to take out things like which they've done, taking out reviews and lessening timeouts and keeping it that, you know, um, your five minute overtime period. And because I would hate to, it it would take away things like um, great comebacks. Like let's say you go into an overtime and the target score, say seven points above what regulation was. Uh A team could come out and go um, three point and three point and two point a win, so they go yep. on a seven or an eight zero run, and then the game's done. Whereas we've seen teams get out to eight ten point leads in overtime, but then the other team comes back. So then you've got that element of excitement of yeah, they've gone and you know had three four good possessions, but then the other team then punches back and then it, it gets back to a one two point game, you know so. I'm not in favour of bringing it in for for regulation games. Um, based on that, do you think it has a place? No, I don't. I I I like it for things like the All Star Game. Yeah. Um, I like it for things like the the basketball tournament that they have in America. You know, like these they sort of um, if they did it in the G League, cool. Like I, I think that'd be cool. But like, don't don't bring it into the NBA. Like, I, I think there's certain certain things they've done to, to, to make the game more enjoyable. Um, but I think it's in a good place now. Like just let it, let it roll for a bit. Like let's not go too crazy and start to change too much. Um, yeah. And I get people say, what about the games where a team blows another team out? The other team's got no, like no chance. But as you just said, the flip side of that is if it's just first two, then the other te- like, and say that the lesser team gets on a run, well, the, the good team in a time game would come back probably and win. Whereas if this other team just gets on a good run and, go, as you say, goes bang, bang, bang in an overtime period or something, they win the game. It's like, well, hang on a second. That's not the way that it would have gone if it was five minutes. You know what I mean? Like, And I completely, completely think it stuffs up game winners. Like, how good's a game winner? Like, they're so rare. Yes. It's so awesome, particularly in the postseason. Like, they're just unreal. And every single game has one. It's like, yeah, it just diminishes how good it is then. Like, it's like, oh, okay, game winner. Like, yeah, we, we have to have a game winner. That's the way the game yeah. ends. You know that's what I mean? It's just the ending then. Yeah, yeah. And, and the, the, the crazy thing about a game winner is they can miss too. And then the other team wins. Yes. Like, that, that, that's what makes it exactly. extra exciting is it doesn't mean they make it every time. No, no, they could miss and then they lose. Like. Yes. Whereas in this yep. game, someone has to make a shot to win. That's the way that it works. There is no miss yeah. and lose. You have to make a shot to win. Like, yeah, LeBron misses that turnaround and just go. They just go back down on defense. Yeah. So there's not that, as you say, there's not that do or die mentality. So yeah, yeah. Um, yes, and it's a yes. You always get a game winner, but it's going to be a far less yeah. exciting because you know. And how many times, like, does every single player? Every single kid who loves basketball in their driveways counting down five, four, three, two, and shoots it. They're not going, I've got to get to two points, so I'll just take a shot. If yes. it goes in, I win. Like, yes. no, that's that, <laughs> that doesn't work. Yes. Um, Which is why, it's why people hate NFL overtime rules because it's like, okay, if they win the toss, they go down the field, score a touchdown game over. The other team yeah. doesn't get a chance to even touch the footy. 
That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or the grid iron. Sorry. Grit iron. <laughs> That's what I meant. It might speed things up, but you lose sometimes in doing that as well. Like you lose the, the, the essence of it and you know, what, what it's meant to be is this sort of backwards and forwards battle and who comes out at the end of the clock is the team that wins. Yes. Like that's, that's the way it's meant to be. Yeah. Um, and by getting rid of the, the reviews they have it, that's, that's made a huge difference to end of yeah. games, which is a, which is a big tick. Massive. Um, and, and I, I would not be against them one or two less timeouts. Yeah, because you know, I love when teams have to burn timeouts in the fourth quarter, and you can see two minutes to go. It's a close game, and the team's got no timeouts. I'm like, oh, cool! They're going to have to do this on the fly. Like, I yep. love to see when a team hits a shot to go up one, and they've got no timeout. So they just have the inbound, and you just have to see how they can orchestrate. Yeah, it's uh, that's so much better. No than set see plays. A team a shot. Oh, okay. Now it's a timeout. Oh, I'll yeah, draw something up. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it's it's cool just to see the flow of the game, and I think certainly for someone like LeBron, that would be a godsend if games were more free flowing at the end of games rather than having to stop, start, and think about everything. Yeah, I completely agree. Completely agree. All right, so that's past uh, another another year of the All Star uh, breakdown. As we've said, this uh, most teams have 23, 24 games uh, to go. What uh, what sort of storylines or, or key things will you be keeping an eye on uh, as we head down the, the stretch of the season? Well, what I want to ask you is how are you feeling about the Bulls? I I, I am uh, nervous. <laughs> um, <laughs> we, <laughs> only because... Um, I mentioned this pod before, they do stats around like ease of schedule and things like that. Um, and we have the hardest remaining schedule in the league in a conference where you lose three games, you could go from second to seventh. That That's sort of tough. But I also like the challenge of, well, you, got, you have to beat these guys come postseason anyway. So, you know, that, that's sort of the mentality, I think, that you, that you have, to, have to take. Um, for me, it's more like just we just got to get our guys back. Like we got to get Lonzo back. We have got to get Caruso back. If we can get Patrick Williams back, like we just got to get our guys back because I feel like there's so much talk around when we get back, when we get back, and it's like well, we got to get back. You know what I mean? Like we got to we got to get back. Um, and we had a tough loss today against Memphis, which would have been nice to get. Uh, we got Miami next game, Milwaukee the game after that. So these games just keep coming against these teams who are trying to move up in the seeds. Um, like Miami's now top top of the east um because we lost today so i'm nervous i'm nervous and probably because i'm used to being uh on the 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 loser side so to be be up up top i'm not used to that in in my lifetime i was uh pretty young in in the heyday of the bulls and and now i'm I'm not used to being where we are so i'm uh i'm nervous but i'm hanging in there (laughs) at the moment it's uh, it's funny you say that about losing three games. Like I'm just looking at the standings now, and it's so insane. You're right. The eighth seed is Brooklyn, and they're seven games behind you. But then Boston six, they're only four games behind, and yep. they're nine and one in their last ten. And as you say, you've got Miami, Milwaukee. Like you lose both those, you're then twenty four. So then that brings you down to the fifth seed. You know, and. Yeah, you're right. It's going to be very interesting that that bunch, where it looks now, your second seed could very easily, you could be one or two, 
or you yep. can be seventh or eighth coming into, you know, you might end up in the play-in tournament depending on on how how those games go. So it's, yeah. It's, uh, the, the East is wide, wide open. And that'll make, you know how sometimes at the end of um, uh, like the regular season games sort of are like, meh, like they don't really mean anything. That's mm. not going to happen in the East. <laughs> That's not going to happen in the mm. East. May, maybe the last couple if it comes down to it, but at the moment, it's like wide, wide open. Um, so sort of for me, I've sort of broken it down into six game segments and I've tried to work out in my head if we go three and three or if we go four and two or sort of what we have to do uh, that I reckon to get us sort of where we need to get to uh, because of the the strength of schedule on that. And you're going to lose some. You should probably win and you hopefully will steal some that you might not be favoured for. Um, but yeah, that, that East finish is going to be it's going to be massive. And as you said, Boston are rolling, like absolutely rolling. Rolling. Like they're just, they're, they're, I think they're the number one team defensively over the last however many games. And it's just like, wow, I did not see that coming. Um, and then you've got Brooklyn who are, as you say, in the, well, the seventh seed or whatever they are. Eight um, seed, yeah. Eight seed. They're not going to finish in the eight seed, I wouldn't have thought. So somebody's got to move down. Like that's the way that it works. You know, <laughs> someone's got to move down for someone else to move up. So it's going to be, I'm, I'm, yeah, it's going to be awesome. I think to, to have a season, end a season with games that are actually worth watching, rather than just getting to that point where you're like, oh, let's just get to the postseason. You know what I mean? Like in some yes. years when it's it's so set that maybe it's just, it's not even worth watching the last sort of ten games of the of the year. Yes, yeah, I feel like we we're coming into like a really good period of season. Like it's sort of been a a, a weird season in terms of the start was so interrupted with COVID. So many guys in protocol that the whole thing was out. Like, cause some teams were missing, you know, we had guys coming up on 10 days and G league guys and, you know, guys like you guys had to postpone games cause you're missing. So, so that was sort of that first quarter of the season. And then yep. we got into that next sort of period. And then, you know, you, you're dealing with the normal sort of injuries and things like that. And just trying to work out who's, it's where like we had no idea the Bulls were going to be this good. We had no idea Cleveland was going to be Memphis. These teams just sort of coming out of the blue. Now it feels like, okay, we've got to all-star break. We've had the big trades happen. Teams are starting to set. Now we're going to see in this 20 games exactly where everything's going. As And to have it where it's like we probably went into the season, most people thinking it's most likely going to be Brooklyn, LA, certainly competing, and then who's going to try to knock them off. That's all out the window now. Lakers sitting ninth, Brooklyn sitting eighth. It's yep. wide open in the east. Out west, you're probably going to be hard. Now that CP's out for two months, that's sort of taken the invincibility away from Phoenix. Massive. So, you know, I still feel if Draymond comes back to Golden State, they're the team to beat, and there's a bit of distance to Memphis and Utah and those type of teams. But certainly the East is is anyone's game. So this last 20 games is going to be really, really fun to watch. One question I do want to ask, you get Lonzo back, you get Caruso back. Do you think you can compete in a seven-game series with a fully healthy Milwaukee, a fully healthy Brooklyn, a fully healthy Philadelphia, and a fully healthy Miami? Because they're the four teams I think are, are the real ones. I'm... Yes, Boston's nine and one in the last, but they haven't convinced me yet. It's between those four, I think, are still the power brokers out east. Yeah, yeah. I I like our chances against three of those four. The one team that scares the shit out of me is Milwaukee. 
It just, they just, yeah. Uh, uh, matchup wise, we struggle. <laughs> like they're, they're no good matchup for us. Um, and they're just, I, I don't know if people just aren't talking about them enough, but they're, they're there again. You know what I mean? Like, and they're, they're, they know what it takes now. We don't know what it takes. Um, and uh, that's where I sort of like our chances against, say, like a Philly or Miami is another team that sort of has guys who knows what it takes. And obviously they picked up PJ Tucker as well. So um, they would be no, no easy beats. Um, but I, I think this might sound crazy, but I think I'd rather have a Philly or, or Brooklyn over those other two. Um, I, I'd, I'd like our chances a bit more um, against them. And probably I, I might have a different view if um, Kyrie was available every game and, and Ben comes back and is an absolute stud. But sort of just talking right now, it's like I, I sort of feel like that plays to our advantage a little bit. Um, and Philly, I, I sort of a bit of an unknown as well at the moment in terms of how good or not they'll be when the game slows down in, in that postseason sort of play. But Milwaukee, I just every way I try to think about how we could get past them, it's just like roadblocks. Like they're just they're just a solid solid basketball team, and they know what it takes, and that is so massive. Like that's that's where I'm relying so heavily on guys like Caruso. Picking up Tristan Thompson from the from the buyout market, guys who have been there and done it and won a title and know like what that's about, because the rest of the, including our main players, don't know, and that scares the shit out of me. Zach's never even been in the postseason, you know, and he's <laughs> like that's that's insane. Like seven years, never been in the postseason. Um, Demar obviously just always ran to LeBron James, which is yeah, fair yes. enough. Like you can't, there's not much you can do there. Um, so at least he's got postseason experience. Vooch has got bugger all. Maybe a, maybe a first round with Orlando, maybe a few years back um, at Orlando best. Don't, no, Orlando don't normally touch the postseason. Yeah. Uh, but aside from that, you're literally relying on your Alex Caruso's and, and these sorts of guys um, to sort of show the path. So the sooner we can get those guys back, the better. Because for, for a lot of these guys, this is, this is going to be their first experience and we don't see many teams in their first experience go all the way. Like we just don't. Um, so that part scares me. <laughs> uh, and also because I'm, I'm forward thinking and I'm like, DeMar can't keep doing this for, for, for years to come. So it's kind of like, uh, like I wish he was maybe a couple of years younger then I'd feel a bit better about <laughs> the situation. But you sort of, I sort of feel like we've got to make the most of the opportunity while we can. And look, it, you never know. Injuries and things like that play a role. Um, but Milwaukee for sure. And if I had to guess who's going to be in the finals in the East, I would have Milwaukee right now. And I'd probably, yeah. probably go probably Golden State in the West if I had to pick the NBA finals matchup right now. Um, yeah, I think certainly if, if Draymond comes back, I think that's that's the big thing with Golden State. Yeah, and um, the Chris Paul thing is massive. I think that's a, that's yeah. time wise, that's a terrible time to have him out for two months. Like, yes, I know yes. they've they've they're so far in front that they'll be fine and get a playoff spot, but it's about that momentum, you know, leading in as well as much as anything. Yeah. Um, and he's you know, and the history with, with Chris Paul, he just seems to get hurt at the wrong times. Uh, even in their run last time, like he got the COVID and um, things like that. Like he just is unlucky. I feel like and they had their run last year and it might just be the unluckiness happening again for them, which I'm not, you know, I've got a vested interest in Phoenix not being there because uh, I'm not a big fan of Devin Booker. So when I see yes. Chris Paul was there for two months, um, I'd much rather see it go as much as, you know, I hated Golden State for four years. Mm. You know, 
um, they are a fun team to watch, and especially this year. But it's it's so evident how much Draymond does for that team, oh. given the way that they were rolling through the league until he got hurt and things are sort of stagnated a little bit now, even though they still only lost 17 games. I know, it's crazy, isn't it? It's like they went on like a losing streak and it's like they've lost 17 games all year. <laughs> like, yeah. What do you mean they've been on a losing streak? Like, <laughs> go look at Houston or, you know, teams like that. They've been on a losing streak. <laughs> yes. That, yeah, that's it. Yeah, they're yeah, poor Houston. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's hard there. Who, who do you think is going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals with Milwaukee? If I had to put money on it, I'd, I would say Miami. Okay. Um, and then I've sort of got Chicago, um, Brooklyn and Philly sort of probably in a group below those couple. Um, again, the experience... PJ Tucker being there, we talk about him on this pod all the time because, as we've said, he can be the best zero-point-per-game scorer in the entire world in terms of impact. Yes. Um, Tyler Hero's got to be Tyler Hero, like that we've seen all year. I think that he's massive for them. But they've got Bam back now healthy. They've got Jimmy. They've always got Kyle Lowry. Like, they just have experience and they just know. And they're Miami. Like, they're Miami, you know. They're, yes. They're just there about. They won't be so, cheating any of the work. They won't be cheating any of the work. No, no, no. So, they'll they'll control everything they can control in terms of getting themselves right. And then it sort of just comes up to a bit of luck, injuries, things like that. But that they, they're one team you know will, will put their best foot forward no matter what. I don't think you can say that about Philly because we don't know about James Harden. We don't know about Joel yes. Embiid. Brooklyn is a bit of a question mark because of the Kyrie situation. Um, when Ben can come back, et cetera, et cetera. They're still going to be decent anyway when hopefully KD comes back healthy. But Again, there's question marks there. So you sort of, you know, these teams have question marks where you look at Milwaukee and Miami and it's like, where's the question mark? Where's the question mark? They just were just doing what they're supposed to be doing and they'll be thereabouts. Um, so that would be my Eastern Conference. If you had to pick now, who would you have? I'm probably clouded because I because the, the vested interest I have. But that is true. I just, yes. <laughs> I, mean, I just keep thinking of last, last playoff series and, it basically, Kevin Durant was on his own because we know James Harden had the hamstring injury and Kyrie got hurt. And he took that Milwaukee team to overtime in game seven. So I feel like if he can get back healthy, Ben gets on the floor. We know how well Patty Mills has been playing Seth Curry, these types. You, when you've got the best player in the series you're more likely going to win that series. So I still like my chances if Kevin Durant is the Kevin Durant he was last year in terms of the playoffs yep. to be able to run through those, teams, especially in Miami, because they just don't have that, that superstar. Um, you know, they were able to get through in the bubble because Giannis didn't play to the superstar level he is. That's not going to happen anymore. Yeah. Um, but he was playing that level of basketball when he played Brooklyn last year and it still took seven games to get mm. through Kevin Durant. So that's where I see Brooklyn still having that edge with the superstar power because I'm in the same boat in terms of Philadelphia. Their superstars aren't going to be at that level to be the best player in that series because they haven't proven it. That's, that's the one reason why like Brooklyn can go all the way because in every single round, 
they're more than likely going to have the best player in that series. Like, yes. And, and as we know, that's what wins championships. Like there's the odd yeah. change here and there, but I mean, you know, no one could look at last year's finals and say Giannis wasn't the best player on the court. Like he was the best player on the court by country mile. Like, you know, and they yes. won. So that's right. Um, if you don't have the, the only, if you don't have the best player in the series, you need to then have at least the second and third best players yeah. in the series. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. What about West? What do you think out there? So West to me, I think there's a fairly decent gap between Phoenix and Golden State. Uh-huh. Um, now, with Chris Paul being out, that brings Phoenix back to the to the pack. But I just don't see Memphis, Utah, Dallas like the. I'm just going down the list of the standings: Denver, Minnesota. Like, yeah, none of those teams to me can compete with Phoenix or Golden State at full no. strength. Um, they just don't have the star power. Jar, we know, is having a phenomenal season. They don't have the horses around him, and he's still so young. So the experience, especially of a Golden State in a playoff, in a seven-game series, they'll figure him out within the first three games, and it will be one of those learning series, which we all see where yep. they take their, they get the scouting report after the first three games, and they take them out of everything they want to do for the next four, and they have to go away that summer and figure out the counters to what they did. It's the, it's the natural progression of players in this league. So Utah, just we know what Utah are. They're a great regular season team. They're not doing anything come postseason. Dallas just don't have enough around Luka um, to be able to compete with, with those teams. So the Lakers are the only wild card just for that pure fact that they would have the best player in every series. But outside of that, that's the only reason you give them a chance. So for me, it's it's between those two at the top, barring um, you know injuries to those key pieces. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I I feel sorry for the teams like Utah and that because they're they're always thereabouts, but you just mm-hmm. you know they're just not like they're just not at that level, and it's no. unfortunate for them and their fans. But they they're a great regular season team. They're Atlanta Hawks of those years back when they were dominating the regular season and would fall apart in the in the postseason. That's just who they are. Yeah. Yeah. So um that's just anything else before we finish this one up. I think that's no everything no, I, I think that's now we will start to see um as things start to play out over the next week or two. Um, we're going to start to see it all sort of unfold. Um, I think we'll do we'll probably do a mailbag section soon yes. to get um, some of these questions out, which would be good. Good idea. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's exciting to now you know once you get into March, you know that you can almost touch the postseason. You know things really start to ramp up, and you know fingers crossed that guys like KD and that can get back healthy, Draymond. Mm. So then we start to see these teams at full strength once we do hit that postseason basketball. Absolutely. And something to keep an eye on too is that uh, the, obviously the mandate in New York because um, mm. that that obviously is a massive thing, massive yes. thing. So, and there's been little murmurs and talks going here and there. So that's going to be very, Where very there's interesting. there's smoke, there's generally fire. There's mm. there's movement in the right direction from New York City. Yep, yep. No, there certainly is. All right, my friend, let's leave it there. Um, and yeah, if anyone's got any questions or anything they they want to uh, want us to answer, start shooting them in, and we'll uh, we'll, we'll bang out a mailbag mailbag uh, episode soon. <laughs>